Okay, thank you very much. Okay, we're going then? Yep, all right. Well, tēnā koutou katoa. Greetings, everyone. Hi to my and welcome to the Marine Reserves field trip, our first field trip for 2019. Uh, I'm Andrew, the Learns field trip teacher, and uh, it's just past 9.30 on Tuesday, 19th of February. Um, you're on Kapiti Island. You've just come over on the on a ferry a bit of a bit of a ferry just seeing some school students who are staying in this hut behind us um what school are they from ben where are you guys from Wataki college. College. college there they go off to explore kapiti <laughs> so kapiti is a, a nature reserve and uh with me here is a nature reserve and of course the surrounding waters is a marine reserve uh, and this is Ben Knight. Howdy. So Ben is a fantastic guy because he's really involved with um, keeping this area pristine into his conservation. Do you want to tell us a bit about the, the work you do, Ben? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm uh, just a local here on the Kapiti Coast. Um, love diving, love the marine environment, um, love Kapiti Marine Reserve. So um, involved with a community group called the Guardians of Kapiti Marine Reserve. Uh, we um, yeah, we just work in with the Department of Conservation to make sure um, that, that the reserve is uh, well managed um, and that uh, that it's properly protected for future generations to enjoy and also obviously so all our locals can get out here and, and have, a, have a good time exploring it. So that's, that's me pretty much. Awesome, thanks Ben. Now we'll try and be heard above the cacophony of <laughs> Tui. The, the bird song here is fantastic. So, you know, this is a pest-free, predator-free island. So we had to do um, a biosecurity check once we, well, before we left and once we got onto the island to make sure we didn't bring anything that may impact on the biodiversity around the place. But immediately when you step off onto the island, you, you can hear the bird song. It's fantastic. Um, look, we won't, uh, oh, and I'll just introduce you to uh, Cody Kiwi. And you can see um, he's from Witherley School. So, um, and uh, Tito Tui from Waiheke. So he's having fun because he's got all his fun up in the he's trees right there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Eddie the Fuel, the Learns Ambassador. So they're all having a good time. And let's get underway. So it's not a, we don't have a formal speaking school this morning. So what we want you to do is if you look down the bottom of the of the screen the uh, zoom web conference screen you'll see that there's a chat pod right and so that's where you're going to put your questions in so like i said we don't have a formal speaking school so this web conference uh will be fielding your questions that you want to put in the chat pod the zoom group chat as it's called and we will do our best to answer them. So, so when you're ready, you can type away. So we won't be getting you to verbally ask your questions. We will be just getting you to type them in. So it's great to see you guys here. I'm sure you've got some burning questions you'd like to ask Ben. So Ben's pretty knowledgeable. He'll do his best to answer your questions. Let's see if somebody can stump me. 
we will try. We always try to stump challenge. We try to stump our experts. But while these guys are thinking about their questions, I can hear a saddleback in the uh, background here. Yeah. One of New Zealand's rarest and most endangered bird species. Is it the tiaki? Yeah, yeah. yeah the tiaki, the saddleback. So I live up in the Barb Islands, and um, there's um, um, Motuaru here, Robertson Island. They've got saddleback there. Um, and I was at uh, Mangahawea, which is when there's an archaeological dig happening over there at the moment. And I went and did some filming over there recently um, with, um, to look at evidence of a very early um, Māori occupation there. And there were tiaki in the background we could hear. So it's not a, not a um, bird you hear often. Now, Barry, I can't see anything in the chat. That, oh, here we go. Um, I was just wondering if you'd already put something in there and whether I had some rogue blank screen, but but we don't. No, I'd already uh, told people what you have told them, so I'm just hoping they'll put stuff in there. Obviously, the teacher has to enter it if they're at a computer up at the front. Get, just, yeah. yeah, no, it's all good. I'll just quickly go for a walk around and show you where we are. I mean, it's we've bush here. So this is like a place... Um, where people stay, and that's uh, Manaki. We're going to be talking to Manaki later. So he works for the um, the Eco Tours, is it? Carpet Island, Island Nature Tours. And yeah, well, I mean, we're just surrounded by a lovely native native bush here. There's Shelley, Shelley, our videographer, another learn spectrum teacher. And that's um. Kira. Emma, Emma from Emma, Department of Emma, Emma from DOT. She's helped organise this trip. Okay, so there's a couple of questions up here now, Ben. Oh, Manaki might want to answer that first one, actually. You don't know so far on education, Well, the question is, um, is Carpeti Island like the mainland used to be in terms of birds and animals? So that's a Manaki. That's a Manaki question. That's that's a Manaki. Um, we're getting there. It's going to take us a long time to get back to what it originally was. Um, but getting rid of the rats um, and allowing the, the native species to start existing here again um, is, is setting us on the right track. The forest regeneration will take a long time, um, but getting rid of possums and sheep and goats and all of that sort of stuff means that it's, it's going there very quickly. Yeah. These things do take time. Same with marine environments, I suppose, too, Ben. Um, you know, it takes time for the marine environment to regenerate, for, for species to come back in and that balance to to be um, had again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, it's a similar dynamic to what Manaki's describing in terms of long timeframes. Um, and you may not get back to what we had pre-human, whether it be in the terrestrial space or in the, in the marine space. Um, you know, some of the big stuff, whales were a big part of the, the marine ecosystem here, um, pre-whaling. Um, it's going to take a long time for those southern right whales to be back in the numbers that they used to come and seasonally around Carpeti and they play really important roles in terms of nutrient distribution. Um, you can imagine if a, a southern right whale is uh, giving birth to a calf, uh, just the, um, that, that process and the, the byproduct of it, if you like, yeah. creates a whole ecosystem around that. Um, ditto, hapoka or gropa um, were, were very common around Carpeti and in relatively shallow water. We've got records of them being caught in 10 metres of water mm. um, and you know really big fish and again um they've been pushed out very wide and very deep so you know i, I do dream one day on a dive on a deeper reef in carpet marine reserve of coming across a, a school of gropa like would have once existed out here but those things do take time and um larger scale uh, management effort as well 
uh, so marine reserves are like Kapiti, although it's one of the largest in New Zealand and fourth oldest. Um, it's, it's 26 years old. There's still, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of marine space around here that isn't protected and is fished. So um, it's, it's amazing what it's done for the likes of blue cod, power, some of those sort of reef species that stay in an area, but fish that move larger distances um, aren't afforded as much protection mm. uh, with, with the type of marine reserve that we've got in Carpeti, which is yeah, 22 square kilometres in total, so not huge. No, it's not very big. So there's a question here about the, the first, when and where was New Zealand's first marine reserve established? So if you actually have a look on the background pages of the field trip website, I'm just trying to get us some better light. We kind of speckled a bit. Um, dappled. It, dappled, yeah, dappled. Um, so the first marine reserve was um, Goat uh, Island. Go, Goat Island, uh, Okakari Point Marine Reserve, uh, back in the 70s, yeah. uh, 73, from memory. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, you can read about that. Um, so that was, that was the first marine reserve. Um, Goat Island. In fact, Learns has been there. We went there last in 2011. So you can actually go back through the field trip archives and have a look at me when I was younger, if you'd like, snorkeling at Goat Island, <laughs> among other things, of course. Um, so, so some people are interested in the island. I don't know if we can. How many species <laughs> of animals are on the island? Gosh, we're in the thousands, wouldn't it? Species of animals, yeah, yeah thousands. If you count, if you, if you count okay. the, the full ecosystem, we, we yeah. often just spend a lot of time talking about birds here. Um, but Carpeti is an ecosystem that, that exists far beyond just birds. Thousands of species, yeah. Yeah, and um, quite a few endangered species as well, Manaki. Yeah, given that Carpeti is, is um, importantly rat-free, um, predator-free, but, but rat-free um, is an important part of that. Things like the tiaki that we heard. Um, the North Island Saddleback cannot exist in places with rats. So um, some of those most um, vulnerable species exist on Kaati where, where they can't exist on the mainland or, or most of the mainland at the moment, unfortunately. And there's kiwi here too? Yep, we have kiwi puku puku, the little spotted kiwi, one of, one of five kiwi species. And we've got probably 1,200 of them out here. This is um, the major population for mm. kiwi puku puku in, um, in the universe at the moment. So yeah, this is a really critical population. For them, among lots of others, Kōkako, Tiaki, Hihi, all these other species that really struggle in other parts. Yeah, that's fantastic. So good to have these places of refuge. Of course, it would be good to have more of them. Um, I was just wondering if there's any any plans on the horizon to expand the area of marine reserve here. It's um, that's a really interesting question. Um, when Captain Marine Reserve was first proposed back in the early 90s, the, the original proposal was actually 10 square kilometres or about 30% larger than the final um, reserve that we got. Um, I think New Zealand with Sustainable Development Goals, United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, is committed to um, putting 10% of our coastline or our marine space into marine protection, mm. and uh, I think it's by about 2020, somewhere around there, so coming up pretty quick. Uh, but I, I think at the moment, um, from a community perspective, um, we feel like what we've got out here is, is definitely providing benefit to everybody and it's about making sure that those uh, stakeholders such as people like to go fishing have got somewhere to go fishing and go fishing safely so longer term I'd love to think there were some other areas we could protect but at the moment the Carpeti Coast is, um, is, is 
contributing uh, disproportionately to our area of coastline in terms of protected area. Mm. So I think, um, you know, I, I look down the coast from here, we've got some amazing pinnacles between here and Mana Island, Hunter's Banks, incredible diving, amazing biodiversity, uh, completely unprotected. We've got all of Mana Island, which is also a dock protected area. Uh, completely unprotected. We've got that coastline between Porirua uh, and Whakarua Bay, which there is a, a small rahui or um, customary type of marine protection. So the long answer is I would love to see more area protected, but I think um, we just have to be pragmatic about all of the different uses that people mm. uh, desire for the marine scape. Um, and, you know, fishermen um, uh, have had a long association with, with the environment here. Um, so, so yeah, in, in my dreams, much bigger, but uh, what we've got, it's one of the largest in New Zealand, so it's still a pretty awesome showcase for what marine protection can achieve. Yeah. Great, thanks. So we've got a really interesting question here. Do, do they ship, do they bring fish into the marine reserve, <laughs> or are they attracted to come here in another way? So as far as I know, we don't ship any uh, fish into the marine reserve. Uh, obviously with the birds, there's quite a lot of moving around of birds, um, uh, moving them from one island to the other to get more genetic diversity. But um, in the ocean, um, these, these fish come and go. Um, and I think what you find is your reef fish, so blue mokey, uh, red mokey, um, things like our uh, crayfish, they become habituated to a spot, so they stay in a place. Um, but a lot of these fish move through. So I was on a dive at a spot we're going to explore a little bit later today on Sunday uh, in, the, in the reserve, and it was just so fishy. And I was, some of them were, were fish which come and go. They're seasonal visitors to the Kapiti Coast, like uh, Snapper. In Trevally, um, but they were there in such large numbers, Tarakihi as well, uh, in really shallow water. And it made me wonder what are the, the things that attract fish to a certain spot and not to another spot? And I think when you have got lots of fish uh, by virtue of marine, a marine reserve, mm. you get more fish, you get larger fish, um, that, that actually attracts fish. It's a bit like people. You know, if there's, a, if there's a party and no one's at it, uh, it's probably not really much of a party. But once you get a few people coming around, um, that, 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 um, that area seems to really kick off. So they don't fish, uh, ship fish into the marine reserve, though, as far as I know. They swim in. And the smart ones stay there. <laughs> so it's interesting you talk about um, there's some species, like reef-dwelling reef species, that will kind of live, live around here the, the whole time, and some come and go. Uh, seasonally uh, is that what's that due to food availability water temperature currents what what's what's the key driver of that movement yeah so seasonal changes these fish um, you know often pelagic or they spend time out in the open ocean um, they they don't have one place that they call home they go what to one place for food when the food is abundant they might go somewhere else and congregate for breeding purposes and then they might go somewhere else when the water cools off so snapper for example I think tend to move south during the warmer months so coming down the west coast and then uh, moving out deeper and then up north into warmer waters um, over the the winter months so they're, they're a seasonal visitor um, and some of these fish travel huge distances so we've seen uh, out here sunfish which is a oceanic fish that mm. spends all its time out in deep water generally they're coming in from perhaps way out in the Tasman Sea somewhere coming in around Kapiti over the summer months and then heading back off again. So some of these fish travel huge distances and you know, the, the ecosystem for them is much larger than, than just the, uh, the marine environment that we protect around the mm. island. They're, they're sort of uh, marine scape scale um, species. They move around, it's just what they do. Same with whales, it's another good example. You know, they might go to Antarctica for the summer, 
when it's um, lots of krill down there to feed on, and then they might pass through Kapiti on their way up to the, yeah. the Pacific Islands for um, for the winter when it's a bit cool in Antarctica. That's right. Yeah, and that was well, that was a big part of the whaling industry was getting them when they were passing through, yeah, intercepting them on the way. Yeah, mm. I mean that's what I mean. I, I I'm a keen fisher angler, and I think about. I keep a bit of a diary and I know that there's fish in certain places at certain times of the year. They're in different conditions too. They seem to fatten up just before winter. Um, But interestingly, and I've I've commented on this sort of thing before, um, you know, I I catch fish to eat. Uh, I, I guess I do enjoy the sport, but I do target times where I don't actually like to spend a lot of time out in the boat. Um, I actually just like to go out, catch a feed and go home. And, I, and I've commented about this in my diary that I'm really into conservation from that perspective because I want to, I, I think that we, we should be able to fish and, and catch fish and, and, and eat it. Um, but, I, but I think it's really important that we also maintain that, that, uh, that the, the numbers of fish and the habitats for them to live in so that that, that can continue. But not just be, to, to, for my own selfish reasons, just because I think they have a right to, to do that. It's a really interesting dilemma. I mean, you can talk about all sorts of different angles. Um, I think what you're talking about there, really, yeah. from a fishing perspective, I mean, I, um, my great-grandfather came to New Zealand from Italy um, with his brother um, in the late 1800s, you know, attracted um, to Wellington with, by the abundance of, of fish that were there to catch. They were fishermen. Uh, the Mediterranean was was um, starting to be a hard place to be a commercial fisherman, so they came all the way to New Zealand, settled in Wellington, um, and what they had back then was what I would describe as a very efficient fishery. So you weren't out there all day in order to catch enough fish to be able to sell to make a living. You could get it done in the morning, and then you had the afternoon to yourself. And same now, I think, for recreational fishers, for, for the Guardians of Carpenter Marine Reserve, for our community group, one of the values we um, we want to achieve is an efficient fishery where Outside of the marine reserve, you can go and you can catch catch a meal. Um, just take what you need for a meal and, and no more. But um, but you can do that efficiently, so you're not spending hours and hours uh, not catching much. Mm. So we want to be catching more than particular areas create the opportunity for is greater abundance. Uh, when you get a lot of fish in an area, some of them decide to go and see what's what's elsewhere. So they'll move, they'll migrate, they'll spill out of the marine protected area uh, and into the outside areas and become available for fishing. So that, that spillover effect from marine reserves is certainly um, provides a lot of benefit. And I think it would be fair to say with Carpenter Marine Reserve, with the time the reserve's been in place, that the spillover effect uh, has been well documented for some species, butterfish being one, um, that, that it's really, it's, it's meant that we still have an amazing fishery here, uh, even with all of the population growth and the additional pressures that have come on the environment in our lifetimes, we still have a pretty efficient fishery, which is all, all part of what marine protection's about. Thanks, Ben. Um, so there's a the question here: Why do you have more fish than Tapu Teranga? So Tapu Teranga is ten years old. It's just celebrated its tenth birthday. Um, uh, but I, I think it is a little bit uh, that may be debatable uh, as to whether or not Kapiti Marine Reserve has more or less fish. Um, there's not a huge amount of research that's been done at, at either reserve. Um, 
it would be great to see more research and, and more intensive uh, levels of research. Um, but Tapaturanga has, um, it's really impressed me. I spent a lot of time diving there um, as a dive instructor in Wellington. So I spent a lot of time in the waters of Tapaturanga before it became a marine reserve. And I just dived a couple of weeks ago and I was just was so stunned with the amount of crayfish, the amount of large blue moki, power. Um, and so I think what Tapaturanga has in terms of advantage is it's, it runs along a piece of coastline where there's a lot of uh, houses and people, people watching out and looking after the reserve. Kapiti is an island, and so over the time that the Kapiti Marine Reserve has been in place, we have had ongoing issues with illegal fishing, and it's a really hard place to, to, to do that policing of the reserve because it's an island, it's out of sight a lot of the time. The weather's not always um, safe for a, a boat to be out here doing compliance work. Yeah. Um, but also time. So Tapitaranga is 10 years old. Carpenter Marine Reserve is 26 years old. So I think the time factor for Carpenter has probably uh, also helped. But Tapitaranga is really fishy too. And I'd highly recommend after you visited Carpenter Marine Reserve to go and do a comparison dive at, at Tapitaranga. You guys um, have just got a like a webcam monitoring the reserve now yes yeah we're just yeah. um working with the local dock team here on the Kapiti coast have set up um with support from uh, the u.s embassy actually um uh webcam up at the north end with a remote wi-fi link so people can log in um live and check for any incidents of illegal fishing document gather evidence um and we've got more funding so we're going to be rolling out some more webcams cool. around the island to give us full coverage um, which is pretty exciting because that using technology to get around some of the um, the environmental factors, distance, um, the island, the nature of the island is um, we hope going to help in terms of improving that compliance situation. I should say though that 99% of people who come out here for a day on the water love the reserve as well and fully respect and uphold um, the, the rules that go with the marine reserve. Just a small minority of people that are um, either don't know about the rules or uh, in the sort of um, more hardcore poaching business that I think are are causing the, the small issues that we have. I'll, I'll, I will include a link to that uh, webcam in my diary this evening when I write it, and you'll be able to have a look at that, check it out, keep an eye on things. About sharks. Yeah, there's always a question about sharks, isn't there? <laughs> so are there other species like sharks? Yeah, heck yeah. Sharks, uh, sharks are integral to uh, most marine ecosystems. I should say I'm not a marine expert, just by the way. We do have our uh, marine expert just over here if we get any curly questions. Um, but the most common types of shark that I see when diving around Carpeti Marine Reserve uh, is actually a completely harmless, really cute little shark called a carpet shark. Um, and they're quite common. Um, people catch them a lot when they're fishing outside of the reserve as well. Um, so the carpet shark's about a metre long. Um, it's got cat-like eyes, really interesting fish to check out, um, not particularly good eating, so they're generally not targeted by people. We also get spiny dogfish, which is another, um, what we call a gummy shark, so it doesn't have any serious teeth. Uh, I have seen a Marco shark uh, one time up, up in the Western Reserve, it was just cruising along. We get blue sharks out wide, so they probably come in. Over summer, again, a seasonal visitor are bronze whalers, so we do see them when we're out um, diving at times. Um, there was a great white down the south end, was spotted a few years ago by one of the local dive club members. And those fish, um, they don't uh, necessarily stay in the reserve, but they'll certainly move through the reserve. So yeah, we've got some pretty awesome big fish out here as well. Hopefully not where we're sorting today. If you see a shark, you're a lucky man. Let's hope we see something sharky today. <laughs> so a question there, what's the view like from this hut? Well, I showed you before, there's not much really to see um, unless you're into trees, which I am. So that's, that's basically it. 
we're just surrounded by the bush. Um, so we, we can't see the water here at the moment. Um, how do animals eat a range of foods when they live on an island? Mm -hmm. well, well, monarchy, that's a good question. That's a good question. Hello. Um, a lot of our, uh, um, I'll talk about birds because insects are a bit of a mystery to me. Um, but our birds do have a, a very varied diet. Um, we often think of birds as, as focusing on a particular sort of food. You might think of tui and korimako as being nectar feeders and things like the purple around us at the moment being insect eaters. But in reality, they all eat a, a range of things. Out here on Kaapiti, there's um, fruit, there's insects, there's nectar. Um, and, and a lot of the different birds will eat different variations of that stuff at different times of the year. Um, the harakeke flowered really strongly, the flax flowered for a, a month or so this year. Um, so all the, all the tui and korimako eat that. Now the, now the flax nectar is gone, they're eating insects and they're eating little fruit and they're eating things like that. So there's always something to eat out here. Well, there must be because uh, they would fly away if there wasn't, would they? Wouldn't they? <laughs> if we get, on the, we get on the shark thing here, the great um, white, I think, was um, the, big, uh, the great white. The great white, the the one that was spotted at the south end. It was an adult, by the sounds of it, so five to six meters long. Oh. yeah, so pretty good size. You get up to what seven or eight meters in total, Emma. Is that right? Yep. I saw an amazing video. You might have seen this about those with those free divers, divers oh, yeah, swimming, swimming yep. touching this great white, and it was massive. I think there's a bit of a story there. I mean, if you're a great white and you've just been eating a whale, a dead whale for several days, uh, you're probably a lot um, less likely to eat a snorkeler or diver than if you hadn't been feeding for a while. So it's still probably pretty brave. If you're going to swim with a great white, I'd swim with it after it's had half a ton of whale blubber mm. for its lunch. It yeah. looked like it was ready for a nap. Is that the, is that the back story? Is <laughs> That's it? the back story. Yeah, yeah. They were, there was a whale, a dead whale floating out in the ocean and uh, there's a lot of sharks feeding around. It, it didn't so. look too emaciated. No, no, it looked pretty well fed actually. Quite satiated. Okay, so um, we're going to have a bit of a snorkel on the island or off in the water around the island today. So that's really great. Looking forward to seeing some fish and other species living in and around amongst the reefs and just enjoying this great place. Uh, if you're ever around the area, so these guys, I'll just get a shot of your logo. Yeah, those, those are the guys you want to hit up to get over here and learn a bit more about the island. So, um, and um, Andrew, if school groups want to come snorkeling out here, um, there's an organisation called Mountains to Sea Wellington who yep. run the Experiencing Marine Reserves program mm -hmm. on the Kapiti Coast. So if, um, if you're ever, as a school group, wanting to come and uh, explore Kapiti, a great field trip is... You know, spend half your day checking out the bird life and the, uh, the restoration that's going on on the land and then um, head out for a snorkel and see what's going on in the marine reserve. Great way to spend a day. Yeah, it's really inspiring. And I should say too, there is a fantastic Department of Conservation yep. resource which has been recently developed and it's really awesome uh, for, for schools and for, for teachers especially to kind of guide them through um, the exploration pre-trip pre to Kapiti Marine Reserve, have a work through those resources and a lot of the questions that you're asking, you can, um, you can actually find the answers to those questions in those doc resources, which are all on the website. Yeah, well, it's linked to, on every background page, there's a link to the specific part of um, that resource. So every background page is kind of linked to to that part of the resource. So um, is it rare it to see dolphins? Um, dolphins, we actually might even see some today. There's been cool. dolphins around the island. Um, again, they're seasonal. Uh, and the season's quite long, actually, isn't it, Monarchy? I mean, right through to May, from here through to May. 
Uh, again, they're following um, pelagic species of fish, so you guys can check out what pelagic means. Um, might be able to include some links later on, possibly. But uh, we get albacore tuna coming down this coast, feeding on smaller bait fish. And generally, when you're looking for the albacore tuna, if you're out, out for a fish, you look for the dolphins. It's a bit of a sign. Mm -hmm. So the dolphins, the albacore tuna, the seabirds are actually all working together following these, um, these bait fish as they move south on the, on the warmer, warmer waters over summer. So your dolphins, you definitely see dolphins around Kapiti. Cool. I'm getting distracted by birds now. <laughs> so that's so this is a kore mako, mako, also known as the bellbird. We don't really get them up north. They kind of sound a bit like a tui. They're really cool. I think a tui, tui sounds, sounds like, like a bellbird, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the tui is the mimic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. probably. Uh, are there native snails in Kapiti Island? doesn't know. Is that a question? Good question. Great question. Yes. Ask me about birds. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like I said, it's a whole ecosystem thing though, so it's, it is more than birds. Yeah, that's a good question. We'd need to do some more investigating about whether there's native snails here. Okay. Well, look, it's a lovely day. It's a. It's not very windy. No, I always, always worry about the wind in Wellington. But um, Can't beat Wellington on a good day. <laughs> I was just sort of pausing to see if there were any. So, Carpeti has operators who are doing ecotourism sustainably? Yes, of course. Is this, a, is this sustainable tourism, Monarchy? I think Carpeti is a great example of sustainable tourism. Yeah. Um, the Department of Conservation limit the number of people who can visit the island, so there's really strong concerns around not increasing the risk to this ecosystem through the introduction of pests, through just the presence of people. We do tend to disrupt things a little bit when we congregate. Um, so limiting the number of people who come um, and really limiting the way they experience the island to reduce any risks to, to this ecosystem, again, through introduction of pests, through um, fire risks. There's lots of things that, that we can increase the risk of. So it, is, um, it needs to be managed very, very carefully. Right. Okay. Well, guys, um, we've got heaps to do today. So um, I think we'll leave you to it. It seems like there's no more questions that come through. Join us tomorrow at 9.15 for our second web conference. Um, thanks to Monarchy and Ben for answering the questions this morning. Now, there will be a recording of this web conference available if you'd like to listen to it again for your inquiry purposes. But um, in the meantime, thanks for joining us. Thanks for your questions. And um, enjoy the rest of the day. You can have a read of my travel diary and check out what the ambassadors got up to as well on their pages. And tomorrow you'll see the first of our videos for the field trip. And hopefully we'll see you again tomorrow at 9.15. In the meantime, have a great day and kakitiano. And perhaps yeah. I'd like to unmute and say a big goodbye. Remember yeah, good. that, Andrew, good. yeah. First field trip, a bit rusty. How about you unmute and say a big kakitiano? Lots of waving. <laughs> That's okay. It's good for deaf people. Let hand signals okay underwater. Yeah. You know, we're not going to be calling out too much. Down, Bye. Yay! See ya. See ya. Have a good day. Some great looking spaces. Mm. <laughs> See you guys. Bye. Bye. That was a very good answer. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.